This is the Pain Information Network. This is episode 17. Welcome back. Uh, well, if you haven't noticed by now, you can kind of see that this is a completely unscripted dialogue that uh, I promoted on this site and in this podcast. And I want it that way. I want people to talk frankly. I want them to talk openly. In a conversation like they were sitting across a table from you, well, you notice we use first names. Uh, you know, we respect each other a great deal, but you, you don't have to call somebody doctor, get all all proper on everybody just because um, you have a common thread. And our common thread is taking care of those in pain. This guest, uh, Dr. Tracy, is very eloquent, and I, I just love having her on. And it's from uh, World Institute of Pain. Uh, we're still here. Uh, and she's going to talk about kyphoplasty. So what the heck is kyphoplasty or vertebroplasty? Well, we're putting cement where God never meant cement to go and uh, reinforcing the building, as she says. So it, it's a fun episode, but let, let me get you started on this. First of all, your bone is made up of a stiff uh, chunk of calcium. And within that calcium is a matrix. Uh, some t- some terms are thrown around. You hear cancellous bones. You hear all these other things that uh, kind of make sense but don't make sense because why is it so strong but why is it so weak in some places? Well, it just has to do with uh, the architecture uh, and the elegance of the human body. If it was solid chunks of calcium, we'd wouldn't be able to support ourselves. Uh, so it's efficient. Uh, it allows for uh, blood and nutrients to be uh, infused throughout the territory there. And um, it's uh, it's an interesting structure, the spine. It's interrelated with uh, these uh, soft tissues and some of the um, connective materials. Everybody knows what the disc is. Uh, that's between the bones in your back. And then there's the vertebral body. That's the bone of the back. And when this bone gets a little older or goes through trauma or something along those lines, it can collapse or get wedged, or it, it, even worse, it can, uh, it can have fractures associated with it. Well, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what can we do with this. And what's exciting about this is this uh, infusion of this cement that we put in, we'll talk about, about this in detail, uh, is really incredible for some people's relief. I've done these and had people just pretty much get off the table where we've done the procedure and say, I feel a whole bunch better. And, you know, others, it may take a little bit longer, but the point is we've got something here. So Dr. Tracy's uh, really experienced at this, uh, as much as anybody I know, uh, really quite elegant uh, in her presentation. And I want to, I just want to go ahead and get started with her and uh, catch you on the other side and maybe uh, uh, talk a little bit more about our conversation. I'm uh, pleased to have uh, Dr. Deborah Tracy back today. Dr. Tracy is a um, uh, really high-quality pain management provider, joining us here at uh, World Institute of Pain. And, uh, and we're at a, 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 an international training um, session where uh, we are honored to extend our knowledge to uh, folks from all over the world. Um, tell us a little bit about your training and where you came from and where you're at. Well, 
My name is Dr. Deborah Tracy, and I went to medical school in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then I did a short stint in pediatrics, but I had a very hard time seeing children suffer. So I changed to a residency in anesthesiology and went up to Syracuse, New York. After my residency was completed, I did a fellowship in pain management and have been practicing since 1988. I have a special area of interest, Hans, that you know, which is called cement augmentation for compression fractures. And that's fancy for putting cement in bones that are fractured in the spine. And I found this procedure to be so... Uh, successful and effective that I have um, used it over the years on very, very many patients. Um, I moved to Florida in 88 after my fellowship. And then in about 1997-8, this procedure was introduced in this country from a group of doctors from West Virginia called vertebroplasty or cement augmentation because these compression fractures that we get when we age, especially us, us women after menopause, uh, cause can cause an enormous amount of pain. I mean, sometimes we can get them and not even feel them, but when we feel them, they're excruciatingly painful. And so what do we do? Well, a lot of the things we do did at the time didn't work. The epidural steroid route or the pain pump route and then the medications, which can cause a lot of side effects, the opioid and narcotic medications in the elderly can cause you to think crazy, mental dysfunction, constipation, lethargy, and it just can be a downward spiral because these fractures keep you from doing the things you want to do in your life. You can't clean your house, you can't do the dishes, you can't walk, you can't shop, and so it's very devastating. So your quality of life and your function and uh, ability uh, become compromised, and you have pain, and some of my patients have to just lay flat and they, their pain is, is, is a 10. Now, what does help them is when they're perfectly still, because when they're perfectly still, this bone isn't moving, causing instability in the spinal column. You know, the spinal column's like a building. So when you get one of these fractures, you have a change in the architecture of the spine. So um, that's the, 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 the basics of it is that we have compression fractures as we age from osteoporosis, more common in women than in men, but now we see men with them too. We get compression fractures from metastases of cancer into the spine. We get compression fractures from injuries, and we get compression fractures from just in general fragility of bone from chemotherapy or radiation. So so what I'd like to talk to you about is um, you know, how we take a patient, examine them, evaluate their compression fractures, and determine whether they're a candidate for cement augmentation. Yeah, well, you know, um, this is one of those kind of uh, landmark procedures that uh, is not a little deal. It was uh, first recognized, you laid that out pretty clear, and then implemented uh, to a remarkable uh, degree of success. I have done this procedure on somebody that's just miserable, and they just get off the table and say, you know, 
um, I'm a lot better. And some people have just kind of gotten up and they didn't leave in a wheelchair. They walked out. Maybe a little assistance, but uh, the point is, this is a, this is something that's uh, effective and uh, sometimes uh, rapid. I would I would agree with you, Hans. Very rapid. In fact, sometimes if you get them early enough, the next day the people that you do it to are ready to go. But so anyway, if a patient comes into my office, usually it's from their family doctor or their internal medicine doctor, and they have back pain and they've been found to have on an x-ray a compression fracture. And um, so what we do is we get further imaging because an x-ray really for a procedure like to consider cement augmentation is kind of like a go-kart. But the Rolls-Royce would be the MRI. Now, some people can't have an MRI, but the Rolls-Royce would be the MRI. And But if they can't have an MRI, we would get a CT scan and a bone scan. Why, why can't they have an MRI? Well, maybe they have a pacemaker, and an MRI is a magnet, and it may interfere with the function of the pacemaker. They may have an infusion pump in their spine. They may have a spinal cord stimulator, or any kind of other generating electronic device would be a contraindication to an MRI. Even cochlear implants or anything strongly metal, because the MRI is a magnet, it can move the medical metal around. Yeah, any metal. So if you have metal in you from anything like you were a machinist or something, and you think you got something implanted somewhere let them know yeah and uh we'll change the plan that doesn't mean yeah. we can't uh, go forward with this no. procedure some of the mris can do uh can do patients that have metal in you know certainly we do them with total hips and total knee replacements and those, those are metal but um so so then if the mri is not a good study for the person we get the ct scan oh by the way, sometimes the MRI can take 30 to 40 minutes, and the pain is so excruciating, patient can't sit there for, or lay there for 30 to 40 minutes. Good point. So then we would want to go to the CT scan, which really only takes a couple of minutes, with the bone scan combined, and that will give us basically the same information as the MRI. So the patient has come, and they have symptoms and signs consistent with the fracture, which is increased pain with movement, increased pain with bending, lifting, and twisting. And the pain usually improves with being perfectly still. Now, we have to, as we've discussed in other conferences here, we have to watch out because pain can be multifactorial and people can have chronic back pain. And we have to assure the patient and make sure that this pain is different from the chronic pain. Usually, this occurs spontaneously. It can occur from a cough. It can occur from a fall. It can occur just because you got out of bed on the wrong side. So there's many reasons that you can get a fracture, but usually most of the fractures are from osteoporosis, which is demineralization of the bone. And so that there's like kind of little holes in the bone that makes it susceptible to compressing down. You know, I uh, introduced some concepts early on in the podcast that just sounded kind of wacky, like epidemiology and differential diagnosis and all that sort of stuff. Because I want people to have the foundation to understand doctor speak, and we're talking doctor speak here. This is a differential diagnosis. A compression fracture can come from a lot of stuff, and it's not a throwing up an x-ray and say you got a compression fracture. Now let's go do a procedure. That, that compression fracture can even come from cancer, and so we got to think like that. And that doesn't mean you have cancer, but by golly, we got to be thorough. 
That's right hands. And once if we figure out that there is a fracture and the patient does want to move forward with the procedure, there's other decisions that have to be made. Like, for example, if the patient is on blood thinners for this type of procedure, the blood thinners must be discontinued. And y'all may know what those are, Coumadin, Pradaxa, Eliquis, um, Plavix. So we would have to have uh, this not being taken like Plavix would not be taken for seven days and Coumadin for five days. You must know that if you've had any procedures. But if your cardiologist were to say you cannot be off it, then you would not be a candidate for the procedure. But anyway, so there's little instructions that you would get if you were considering this. And it is a spinal procedure, so you don't go forward lightly. But if you're really compromised, most of you, in my opinion and my experience, have one to to say, hey, doctors, do it because I can't live like this anymore. So anyway, then we get to the part where we schedule you to have the test. And, you know, I I had a a cast here with uh, Dr. Ralph from Oklahoma, and he does a lot of his procedures in the operating room. But I do this procedure in my office, and I think Hans does too. We have special certifications that allow us to do that. We have staff that have certifications in giving like a little kind of teeny uh, sleep so that it's not general anesthesia but we can wake you up we we give you a little sedative so that um, you're relaxed on the table so we put you on one of these tables uh, usually on your tummy Uh, if you have problems breathing on your tummy that would be a problem Uh, we might need to then take you to the operating room and have you have general anesthesia if you still wanted it fixed but we put you on your tummy and we wash off your back and we put some drapes on we give you a little snooze and then we put This is a procedure that we do with needles. We don't have to cut you open with a scalpel. We just put needles into the bone that's fractured using the camera to determine appropriate placement. And then we put the cement in using the camera to make that th- sure that the cement goes in the right place. And just like with any other procedure, the complications could be infection. Anytime you have a needle stuck in you, whether it's to give blood or get a penicillin shot, you're at risk of infection. Um, and then bleeding, of course, and we're going to try and minimize that by having you off all your blood thinners and aspirin and your Mobic or your Aleve, and we're going to minimize that by putting appropriate dressings on. And we're going to give you, when we're done, we're going to give you instructions on what to do and call you back and, and hope that you get good relief. My own experience is that the sooner I get to it, the more effective it is. And uh, the, the back is kind of like a building. It's like architecture. And so when you get a fracture, the architecture of the spine, which would be the muscles, uh, uh, and would would try to protect you against the pain. And so then when we fix it, the muscles might say to themselves, hey, now what are you doing? And so you might get a little muscle spasm after the procedure. But that's the most, and I can say that 98% of the time, my patients are extremely satisfied with the procedure and are able to go back to their normal lifestyle within two weeks to three months. You bet. And they don't realize how deconditioned they are, so they're at risk to fall. You know, when you hurt, you don't want to move. So it's a good idea to be sure before you leave that you have an idea if you're going to get some physical therapy, if you need physical therapy, or some uh, assistive devices, and just to be careful. Have someone around you for a little while. 
uh, watch uh, alcohol and sedative medications and the like. Um, now, this this comes up, and it's a good thing to talk about. Well, what is the long-term effects, and what can I expect? Because now you've made one part of the building really strong. Well, you know, there's controversy in the literature. We don't want to talk about literature, medical literature, because we can hardly understand it ourselves. But there is controversy in the literature about putting the cement in, that you do change the architecture of the spine, and you're at risk for increase in fractures or more fractures. Personally, I think once you get one fracture, you have a 34% of getting another one, whether you have the procedure or not. Once you get two fractures, you have an 80%... a problem of getting a third fracture, and so I really don't think it has anything to do with with that. However, they are developing more and more products like biological cement, which is more equal to the uh, architecture and tension factors of this of bone, so that when we put that in, it has very minimal effect on what's on top of it and what's below it. But um, you know, most of the patients that get this. Uh, I, I don't see very many refractures, and there there is controversy in the literature. And I would have to say, uh, I would have to say, it really, um, one way or another, it, it doesn't really matter. Some 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 people say the fracture rate is higher, some people say it's lower, and some people say it doesn't matter. So I say that's controversial. You know, in the uh, risk reward benefit, let's put that in perspective. If this thing improves everything about your per- your condition and your your potential permanent impairment, um, which it has a potential to do, that's a heck of a lot better than uh, you know worrying about a theoretical. Yeah, you know, this stuff. It when we put it in and it it's about twenty four hours it takes about twenty four hours. It's hard. It's like concrete uh, you could walk on, and so it works. You know, about the risk-reward issue there, I want to tell you, as we age, and um, we are aging, hands, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, speak for um, yourself. <laughs> uh, as we age, um, we don't bounce back like we did when we were young. And, and, and when you get to be in your 70s and 80s, if you're in bed for a few days, you can lose up to 2% of your bone density. You can you, In a week, you can lose 10% of your muscle mass. You, if, you're, if your fracture is up in the thoracic area and you're not breathing deeply because of the pain, you can get pneumonia. If you're sedentary, you can get clots in your legs that can push up to your lung and you can get what we call pulmonary embolisms or clots in your lungs. And then if you have to take opioids for the pain, you can get uh, mental delusions and you can get constipation. And we call it a downward spiral. In fact, the radiologist put out a paper in 2014 that said the risks of doing the procedure outweigh the risks of not having the procedure. That's true. That's true. It's what they're saying is the risk of not not doing doing the the procedure procedure outweigh the risk of having the procedure. Yeah, senior moment. That's all right. Now, listen. (laughs) The thing is, um, it drives me. It drives me crazy for the patient's benefit. They don't understand when I'm when I say to them, "Get up and get moving." You're exactly right. When patient comes in or somebody comes in, a family member, I had to take to the bed, and I had to lay there because I was so miserable. Get up. Because you're doing yourself no favor, and um, it's real clear. If you don't get moving, um, 
it's not just the downward spiral. It's really everything. You just you lose the socialization. You lose the opportunity for nourishment, uh, uh, for rebuilding the biomechanical components of your spine, your structural elements like your uh, muscles and, and the like. You got to get moving. Just got to get moving. So. Well, I have to say, Hans, it's a pleasure, and I, I just I am so grateful you are doing these podcasts for our public to educate them on all of these opportunities that we have for being healthier human beings and having better quality of life throughout the rest of our life. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. And, uh, folks, the uh, uh, opportunity to speak to uh, world-class uh, pain uh, physicians like uh, Dr. Uh, Deborah Tracy at the World Institute of Pain uh, can't be understated for me. I think that um, we're going to be talking a lot more, and, and Dr. Tracy has a uh, real bond with her patients, and they come from quite a ways away, and her waiting room is always full. That's a strong testament, and the fact that she's here teaching um, with these advanced procedures uh, like uh, vertebroplasty and kyphoplasty, what we've been talking about, underscores the fact that uh, – the best pain doctors keep up, and the best pain doctors do it right for the right reason, and she does that. So thanks again, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Well, there you have it. Uh, it's a, as good of an explanation of, of vertebroplasty slash kyphoplasty as I've uh, come across, and I want folks to comment on this if they would at paininformation.com. Yeah, throw us a throw us a question or two. Uh, we want to we want to hear from you. We want to know how these episodes are going. If we're clear, if we're making them concise and understandable, because doctors talk like doctors talk, and we tend to develop our own language. However, gifted uh, speakers like uh, Dr. Tracy. Uh, can get it across, and that's why she's so popular, um, and she does so much uh, good work in her community. The The point is communication is everything. Communication between the physician, the patient, and the family, it's a big triad. Somewhere out there is the insurance companies and all the payers and that sort of thing, and, you know, we've got to communicate with them too. But the point is uh, when we're all on the same page – and we're all rowing in the same direction to improve function and quality of life, the outcome's good. And I, I'm very, very excited about this type of procedure because it is a changer. It is a game changer. It is a life changer. So if you do have a compression fracture or if somebody said you got a little bone break, um, talk to your doctor about this stuff. This is an informational Network And the point is to get the information out there. Now, one thing I want to touch on is there are places in certain bones that you can put this bone cement as well. Like people get pubic rami fractures, or, you know, fractures in the pelvic region and that sort of thing. Um, we have options to putting this in. And it takes a little bit of special testing and the like, but we can still get the bone cement in there and shore up the business. So uh, once again, drop us a line at paininformation.com. Please, please, please leave us a review at uh, iTunes. It really helps us. And uh, if you have any suggestions or questions, we're going to do a Q&A soon. And uh, I'm going to get back to controlled substances probably very soon. I um, I'm getting questions on controlled substances, particularly opioids, that I think need to be addressed. 
And there's a lot of misunderstanding out there, and I just I, I, want, I want to cover it in a reasonable way to under to help you understand that if you take opioids or controlled substances, you aren't going to turn into an addict. You're going to you're going to utilize them under the watchful eye of a competent physician uh, or care provider that understands the risk award benefit in moving forward in a quality lifestyle utilizing these little crutches and uh, no pills don't change your entire life a little pill doesn't keep you from uh, taking to the bed and uh, sometimes I hear stories uh, that uh, are just mind-numbing in other words there's another side to pills and there is a dark side but we're not going to talk about that we're going to talk about the positive side first as rule four evolves so we understand our drugs and we understand what drugs there are in the categories so once again thank you very much for uh, joining us and thank you for deborah tracy uh just being on the planet we uh, <laughs> we appreciate her and we look forward to talking to you again